Hello, I'm Peter Kessler, and you're listening to Reading the Break. It seems to me that in a major championship, unless the weather is atrocious like it can sometimes be at the Open Championship, or the course has been manipulated so that even par is a great score like at a U.S. Open Championship, that the winning score ought to be somewhere between 4 and 10 under par. To me, that indicates that you had decent weather so that the players could play. It indicates that the course has been set up with a great deal of difficulty, but most importantly, that it will yield to brilliance. The best players for the week ought to be able to score a couple of under par on each round on average, and that's what happened at the Masters this year of 2017, where the winning score was 9 under par. Now, for the first two days, the average score was 75. That was impacted by two things. The winds were 20 to 30 miles per hour, with gusts sometimes reaching 40 miles per hour. And, of course, you had half the field, which wasn't good enough to handle the conditions and didn't play well enough to be able to make the cut. The average score in the third round was 72.5 and the average score in the fourth round was 72, indicating good weather, but a difficult golf course, but that a great player playing his best golf could get himself under par for the day, and that's exactly what happened to the two guys who met in the playoff, Justin Rose and Sergio Garcia, who each shot 69. One of the interesting things to me is that once the tournament got started, and people got excited about who was on the leaderboard and at the end you had really all of the best players playing today on the leaderboard starting the fourth round that there wasn't a single mention of Dustin Johnson not being there or Tiger Woods not being there. The Masters is bigger than any one or two players and the leaderboard was so attractive that they weren't missed. The leaderboard as day four began was peopled with the finest players of our time. Phil Mickelson had fallen off a little bit and was really on the periphery at best of contention. Ernie Els was in good shape after two rounds. Freddie Couples was in good shape after three rounds. And you had all of the young guns in position to win the major championship. It evidenced to me that the best players of our time can handle any kind of condition. They can handle the tough winds of Thursday and Friday and the club selection problems that the wind presented, but they could also handle a fast and running golf course that they had in round three. And so it came down to two players, Justin Rose and Sergio Garcia. It seemed to me that the 13th hole was a pivotal hole, even though they both scored a par five. So it's hard to think of the concept of a pivotal hole having each of the contestants shoot the same number. But that's exactly what happened. Justin Rose, with his second shot, was a little bit loose and left himself a tough chip to the par 5 13th. And Sergio Garcia, after hitting it into the woods, taking a drop, pitching it out, and then hitting a pitch to 8 feet, was playing the hole at that point as well as could be expected after the one-stroke penalty. Justin Rose chipped to within four or five feet, Sergio had five or six, and Sergio shook his putt in for the five. 
Now here was a chance for Rose, who had a two-shot lead, to increase it to three shots with an uphill, slightly left-to-right putt for birdie four to get himself into a really comfortable position with only five holes to play. But of course he made a nervous stroke with a claw grip and missed the putt and didn't pick up any shots as they headed to the 14th tee. Now Justin Rose is 36 years old now and Sergio Garcia is 37 and at this point in their careers they both have a little trouble with putting inside of 10 feet and they both use the claw grip which it seems to me under pressure is not the most reliable way to putt. Phil Mickelson missed a slew of makeable five and six footers again using the claw grip putts that he needed desperately to keep himself in the middle of the proceedings. The last few holes were defined by great play as much as they were defined by poor short putting from Justin Rose and Sergio Garcia. On 13 we see a chink in the armor really from both players. Sergio snapping one off of the tee and Justin missing a short putt for birdie. On the 15th hole after Sergio had hit a beautiful shot very close to the hole on 14 and made birdie and it picked up a stroke, Justin Rose had made his par and they came to the 15th and Sergio hit what might be as good a shot as we've ever seen hit at the Masters when it mattered. He nearly holed his 8-iron on the fly and made a great 10 or 12-footer for Eagle to get himself tied with Justin Rose who made birdie. Now, of course, on 10 and 11, Sergio had played a little bit of shaky golf and made a couple of bogeys, and then he hit that bad drive on 13, and then it looked like he might become unraveled when he did something he had never done before in his career, which was to pull it back together. The great birdie at 14, the sensational eagle at 15, and then they both left themselves very makeable putts on 16, Justin rolling in maybe an eight-foot right-to-left uphill putt, and Sergio with that claw grip making the stroke that you would expect from a 20 handicapper who had two dollars on the line on Sunday morning. As the players were working their way to the 18th tee, the final hole of regulation, a few things struck me. One, that Sergio had let his swing betray him on 10, 11, and 13, before, for the first time in his career in an important tournament, pulling it all back together, and that Justin had perhaps lost his concentration a little bit on 13 before he played his second shot because Sergio was in so much trouble, and Justin had to be standing there in the fairway before hitting his second shot into the par 5 13, thinking, well, I've got a two-shot lead now. If I make a birdie here, Sergio could easily make bogey and I could have a four-shot lead with five holes to go. And I just wondered if he hadn't relaxed just a little bit, enough to turn a certain birdie at 13 with a relatively short second shot into the green into a nervous kind of a par. On 18, which is a very tight driving hole, your ball cannot start to curve until it clears that chute of trees. It's a very, very difficult tee shot. They both hit very good tee shots. And Justin, I thought, really got away with a very poor second shot. He certainly pushed it. 
and got a very happy kick dead left towards the flag and left himself about eight or nine feet. And then Sergio follows it with an absolutely brilliant shot, leaving himself five feet behind the hole. Now, Justin went and missed the putt that most players seem to miss for some reason on that particular line, made his four, and waited for Sergio to knock in the winning putt. It appeared to me and to other knowledgeable observers that he not only misread the putt, but that he mishit the putt and that his hands got tight at impact. It looked like, as we've seen that putt many times before, that it was a left center putt, but it was one that he started one inch right of the hole and it went a further inch to the right, clearly evidencing that he had pushed the putt with a nervous stroke. And so back to the tee they went, and Justin again hit a nervous shot into basically an unplayable position in the trees, and he had to chip out to the position that Sergio was in after his successful tee shot, and so Justin lay two, where Sergio lay one, and Justin went ahead and hit a shot about 20 feet from the hole, and then Sergio hit a really great shot about 10 feet from the hole. But it wasn't over yet. If Justin makes his putt and Sergio misses, they're tied again and they go to another playoff hole. But of course that's not what happened. Justin missed his putt. Sergio shook in his 12-footer for a birdie three to win the championship with a playoff birdie and his first major championship. A couple of other thoughts about the tournament. We've heard so much from the ruling bodies of golf that the golf ball doesn't go any farther now than it did 15 years ago. But a couple of statistics really stood out for me. We hear so much from the ruling bodies that the ball doesn't really go any farther now than it did, well, 20 years ago. But when Freddie Couples won the Masters in 1992, 25 years ago, his average drive in good weather was 280 yards. Here he is 25 years older, almost 60 years old, and his average drive in good weather on the weekend at this year's Masters was 297 yards, an almost 20-yard difference. How about this one? Larry Mize won the tournament 30 years ago, and his average drive in good weather was 259 yards. And this year, of course, again 30 years later, his average drive was... 271 yards. The ball goes much farther than it did last year, and it goes much farther than it did 25 years ago and 30 years ago. Of course, the first question that everybody asks after a championship is over and somebody has won their first major is, okay, now who's the best player to never win a major? And three names came up. Ricky Fowler, Lee Westwood, and Matt Kuchar. And I don't understand how we can call any of those the best player to never win a major. Lee Westwood won 23 times in Europe. He's won two times in the United States. The last one he backed into after Robert Garrigus made a triple bogey seven to fall into a tie with Lee Westwood who had already finished play and was on his way to the airport before he came back to win the playoff. And Westwood's Ryder Cup record is nothing to get particularly excited about. 
He's 2-5 and five in singles, which is the important number. And in team play, in foursomes, he was 7-2-4, and four, and in four balls, 7-4-2. and two. And remember, on almost every occasion, he was playing on a winning team. So two U.S. wins in his mid-40s and 2-5 and five in singles and Ryder Cup, to me, does not evidence a best player to never win a major championship. Look at Matt Kuchar. He has seven wins on the PGA Tour. And I remember a few years ago when he had a chance to win the Masters, he hit that great second shot into 15 to about four feet, made the putt for eagle, was tied for the lead, and I was sitting with some friends watching as he walked to the 16th tee, and to me he looked absolutely freaked out that he had the lead in the Masters. The pin was back left on 16, and one of the guys in the room said, I bet he misses this long and right. That's exactly what happened. Took himself right out of the tournament by three-putting for a bogey. And while he's a remarkably consistent performer, he's a top 10 kind of a guy, not a best player to never win a major kind of a guy. And then, of course, you have Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler has won four times on tour, his record in singles in Ryder Cup is 0-1-2. And, and in team play, he's 0-0-1. So right now, there may not be a best player to never win a major. For Reading the Break, I'm Peter Kessler. <laughs>